folks, let's talk about money and my weird thoughts on it because I think about it a good amount and some of the thoughts I have, I think they're weird. Let me start by telling you a dream I had that spurred this discussion. I dreamt that me and my dad were somewhere and I don't know where and we had a lottery ticket and we brought the lottery ticket to like a desk for the person to scan it. The person was DHH. I just watched the Rails documentary. (laughs) So I don't know why it's relevant to the dream, but he was in it and he scans the lottery ticket. Okay. I think it was, I scanned first zero dollars, zero cents. My dad scans. His is 150 M (laughs) and we're both like, what? A bunch of people around us are like, for flipping out and we're like what the wait what like we, we it was this whole part of the dream we we're trying to figure out if this is real or not and then we kind of realize in the dream that this is real and he just won 150 million and then in that dream we like negotiated that like i would get like 60 million or something of it just because we both bought the tickets right there it just seemed like the right thing to do that i shouldn't get zero dollars so <laughs> then i woke up from the dream in another dream And I'm in that other dream realizing that it was just a dream. And I'm trying the whole second dream is me trying not coming to grips with the fact that that was a dream and trying to get the ticket from the dream somehow. So I like tried in my, my, my like root level dream. I had this idea that I could like fall asleep and get myself into like a lucid dream and retrieve the lottery ticket and bring it back into the real world, which was actually a dream. <laughs> it's so weird. But why, what's the point? And I, I never ended up doing it and it was depressing. The point, like in that moment when I realized that I had just made $60 million and my dad now had $90 million, I was like so happy. And it was like, oh my gosh. Everything's changed. Everything about this man's life is completely changed. And everything about my life is completely changed. New houses, lavish vacations, no more working, completely changed. And that, anyway, it was just a wild kind of experience. And I woke up and was like, that feeling is how I would feel if somebody handed me $60 million. It would feel amazing. Um, maybe it would ruin my life. I don't know. Maybe I would be less happy. But in that moment, if somebody handed you, so here's the thing. I got a $35,000 check like a couple weeks ago because I overpaid on my taxes by $35,000 because I'm an idiot and I forgot to put down estimated payments I'd made. So I overpaid because I already paid all that stuff and I just paid it again. And I was stressed when I was doing taxes this year and paying them and because I'm like, man, I've never been this tight after taxes. This doesn't feel good. And then I get a $35,000 check. (laughs) So it was just like found money. Like, Oh, I'm $35,000 richer today, which was wild. And I was so happy about it, even though I didn't like make it. It was just like, I just got a 35. And it was a little glimpse of that. Like, Oh my gosh, I could go buy a new car right now. You know, (laughs) generally what I do with, with sums of money like that is, get excited for a minute and then 
you know, just defer the decision and then go back to living normally. I think that's actually like a superpower of mine in life is just like feeling good about a lot of money like that in a moment and then just letting it be my new normal and investing it and then not really letting it change my life. Like I didn't buy a single thing after getting that $35,000 check. I kind of want, I'm on an Intel MacBook. It'd be, you know, I have this list. Like I'd like a nice electric guitar. I'd like an OP one. I'd like a Intel MacBook, a nice couch. I don't know, but, um, whatever. I'm not here to tell you how frugal I am, but yeah, but yeah, all my feelings about money. There's so many, let's keep going. Um, I, I wrote down like a random, just list of random crap because I was, I was walking and taking my walk and I was thinking about, oh, this is what I thought about at the dentist yesterday. I'm waiting in the dentist's office, I'm looking around and I'm thinking, okay, here's a guy. I really respect my dentist. He's an awesome guy. It's an awesome dental facility. And he is so nice and so smart and he employs like really good people. And they're all like a family to him and everybody. It's just such a wonderful place. I could brag about my dentist for a whole episode, but I thought to myself, he is a skilled man, more skilled than me, more educated than me, more everything than me. And he chooses to spend his days dealing with people like me who ripped a filling out and need help. And he has to clock in daily, long hours and deal with, with customers where I'm in this world where it's like your goal is to not trade your hours for dollars and not sell to consumers, sell to businesses because it's more money and you don't have to deal with like one-off crap and whatever. And here's a guy who's smarter than me, more talented than me, but chooses the life that I'm trying to avoid, which is a weird feeling. And then I, and I felt this way about other people who are obviously doing, I felt this way about doctors for sure, because it's like, Okay, you have everything you need to be like independently wealthy, you know, but you're choosing to help people. And it's like, I get choosing to help people, but if choosing to help people means punching a clock and like dealing with all of the just rigor and yuckiness of a nine to five and employees and customers who are opinionated and who are whiny and who are delicate and annoying and he's choosing to do this. Does he love this? I guess if I think about it, I love programming. So even if I make enough money to just retire, I won't. So I guess I can kind of see in some way that like, oh, I kind of get that. Like I went from not from thinking I didn't want to work in life, like programming or like for money and stuff like that to thinking that, yeah, I think I'm just going to keep working. Like even if, even if I had enough money to retire, I love programming. I want to build products. I want to make experiences and curate them. Like that's just a passion of mine and I enjoy it. So maybe he feels the same way about dentistry, but the the world I'm describing is not a world where I have to like, like set aside all of my day every day for individuals who need my help, you know? Yeah. I don't know. So I've thought like, is money poison? Is this, is the gospel of financial independence? Is it poison? is all of it self-centered and where is, you know, is is there going to be a new generation of people who aren't focused on um, living a purposeful life that helps other people and is more focused on becoming wealthy at all, at any cost and making their life as 
easy as possible and wealthy as possible because I think that's what I'm doing. I think I am I've embarked on this journey to become wealthy and be independent and not have to answer to anybody and not do a 9 to 5 and become financially independent. I've I've drank in that Kool-Aid since I started reading Mr. Money Mustache in college. It's always been about that and it's never been about helping people, you know? And I help people in a, in other ways in life for sure and we donate and things. We I do enough to check the boxes to like feel like I'm a good person, but I've never thought I want to set up a you know what? I have thought like it would be fun someday to set up like a boot camp locally. Like just take local people from high schools or any adults, whatever, and just just offer to teach people programming and get people into it and provide people with jobs. And, you know, that wouldn't be a money-making thing. It would just be a community outreach and help and helping the people I've loved. I thought about doing that in like um, like more inner city parts of Buffalo where you know, they don't, I don't know. Like if there's a world where I do check the box of like becoming a, a person who helps, like that's it. My uncle who has just recently retired, I look up to him quite a lot and he spends most of his days volunteering and he's retired. He doesn't have to work at all, but he does Habitat for Humanity once a week. He does Meals on, week, meals on Wheels multiple times a week. He just helps friends build stuff and work on stuff. I have another uncle who does the same, who's not retired, but he also just spends a good majority of his time helping people. And yeah, so it's like, would I do that if I was retired right now? Because I have all these dreams of like buying land and homesteading and all these things that are self-centered and family-centered. It's it's My focus has definitely shifted away from myself and towards my family. Like my goal now is not to be wealthy to like have the stuff I want. It's to give my family the life that they want and to give them every opportunity, um, which maybe is a cop-out, you know, because maybe it's just another form of self-centeredness. I don't know. So yeah, so I wonder if if the gospel of like, you remember I was talking about that wealthy person, that wealthy interview the other day that I saw, and this is probably gonna be a 20-minute episode, buckle up. I was talking about that interview with that like billionaire or like multi-multi-millionaire the other day on YouTube. And one of the things he said, he was talking about the culture of money and how it's like really rampant among young people and how it's not good for our society. And I definitely see that. I see that that culture and I see how that's changing. And I wonder the same thing, but then I'm also like, well, yeah, that's easy for you to say. Like, what are you going to sit there and point the finger at young people who want to be rich when you're rich? Like, that doesn't seem, seems like not fair for you to say that. Like, maybe my uncle can say that because he lives like well within his means and lives humbly and donates his time to other people. And I could see him going, yeah, this, this culture of like money and wealth is poison to the youth and people aren't focused on other people anymore and whatever. And he, he's allowed to say that, but is this guy allowed to say that? I don't think so, but but that doesn't mean it's not true. And I do wonder that. I was talking to my dad a couple of days ago because he just went to like some, oh, whatever. He, he's in the food industry and he was in like a big summit type meeting thing. They have these like, whatever, food shows. And it's kind of like a trade show. It's kind of like his equivalent of maybe like a Laracon kind of thing. And so he's at this show and and his, the CEO of his company is, maybe it was a company summit. I don't know. It's looking around the room. He worked for a, like a pretty enterprise, big company looking around the room and says something about how we need more young people in the workforce, which is like t- pretty ageist, especially coming from some, the CEOs like kind of not as old as my dad, but older. 
And, and I don't know, people like my dad are kind of in a tough spot where he, he's super valuable, but it's also like, you know, they want young people. That's what is happening. Um, but his industry is filled with people his age and not that many young people. I've seen it. I've been to these shows with him and it is not a young crowd. It's not like going to a tech conference. Um, and, and I asked him, I said, like, has it always been that way? And he's like, no, like, you know, when he got into the game, it was a lot of people his age when he was in his late twenties and thirties. And now everybody's, you know, aging out and there's not like a new set of people filling that gap. And I wonder why. And I wonder, it's like, nobody is that my dad's path was like being a waiter, eventually working at a restaurant and then eventually owning that restaurant when the owner sold it to him. And then he owned that restaurant for a long time and then he sold the restaurant and then he got into food sales, like more like um, enterprisey food sales kind of thing. If the, he wouldn't use that word, but that's what we'll use. And then food broker and then whatever, that's what he does. Um, and the path he followed was like a humble path in the sense that, you know, he was never chasing, he, he was putting food on the table for us. That's what he's always been doing and still is doing for his family and making like a reasonable wage and working full time for as long as I've been alive every day um, for that life. And I, I imagine that young people just have higher hopes for their life to not, to n and by higher hopes, I don't mean that it's better hopes because he, he lived a great life of great work and whatever, but people don't want that anymore. And I can't blame them because I don't want that. I don't want to work a nine to five job for a big company and make, you know, a salary and blah, blah, blah. I want the gospel of don't trade your hours for dollars. I want the independence and the independently wealthy and uh, retired early financial freedom life, you know, and that's what people want. And when they're on TikTok or whatever, and this is me being an old person because I'm not on TikTok and I have my own get off the lawn opinions on TikTok and, and it's just like money, 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 money. And it's all about, it's all about, yeah, like I, I imagine like, you know, kids these days, they want to be influencers. They don't want to be food brokers. And that's why his industry is becoming full of boomers and people who are, who just, you know, that was a more, um, uh, carved out path, I guess. So I don't know. I'm just going to keep spewing money thoughts. I think about raising, I was listening to mostly technical and Aaron said something about his kids, how he is going to raise them in the community when he was asked if he was going to homeschool. And he said, no, like they're going to go into public school. We moved to a good district and we're going to be part of the community. They're going to have friends in the community and whatever. And that, I like that a lot. I liked hearing that. And I, I've sort of teeter tottered on like, is this what we're going to do with, with our kids? Are we going to choose the path of like homeschooling and alternative lifestyling, traveling and whatever? Or are we going to choose the path like I lived where you grow up in a community, you have friends, you're friends with your neighbors, you play pickup games in the street, and then you, you know, you're in the public school system and you make friends there and you, you know, you do that. And then you live in the same place that you grew up and you have a lot of the same friends that you had, but I had the internet. So I was able to sort of break away from that in my own brain. And so I feel like there's plenty of people that I went to school with who live in the same neighborhood they've always lived, which is pretty much what I do, except I'm on the internet. I feel like I quote unquote made it or got out in the world or whatever, even though I didn't, I feel like I moved away and went to a good college and got a good job in New York City and I'm now living the like aspirational life, even though I live in the same place. But if somebody else, and this isn't to say that I'm better than those other people, although in my mind, it's the path that I think is better in the sense like I 
like this life more. It feels more aspirational and whatever. My friends are in different countries and it's, it's an exciting life. And somebody else who, you know, graduated high school, they went to the local college and they got a job as an accountant or a salesperson or something like that, or a teacher. And then they live here and they do that and they make an okay wage and they do that until they retire and they raise a family. And that's, that's the path of the middle class, the middle class American life. And it's like, it's funny that this, this is maybe part of the poison is I feel like I don't want that for my kids, you know? And it's like, I, I still have like, do I want, do I want them to like, I think I, I want them to be able to go to Yale or something and, and go away for college and get a really good job and, um, or whatever. But it's like, I don't know. It's not the path I chose. Maybe I just need to show them the internet enough and hope that, it, that there's enough opportunities still given AI, you know, whatever that they can be on the internet and live a life that I lived, which is a pretty cool balance of like a real a real American life and by, I, you know, Amer- not American centric, but I just mean like a local life doesn't have anything to do with America, a local life with normal people in a normal neighborhood in a normal, a normal life, but they can also live their extra normal life. Um, their, their dual personality online, their dual life. Yeah. Like I live. And I think that's a cool balance. And I guess I ultimately want that for them, but I recognize that it's sort of a poison that I, I somewhat look down on, people um yeah I, I really hesitate to say that because i i don't look down on to the, in the sense that i like think you're less than me if you live a truly local um humble life it's more that that i go like huh like i have these opportunities and they're great and i'm really grateful for them and my life is really amazing because of them it's so much easier and full of more money than yours because of these things and and it's like i don't know you don't have that and i guess there's some amount of of like um pity maybe i don't know whatever it is i'm 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 coming clean with it and i'm saying that it might be a poison maybe this is the poison of wealth and money and financial freedom that you now view everything else even your dentist who's smarter than you and works harder than you and helps more people than you you view him as like huh why didn't you do that what's what's bro what is what's wrong in your brain or life that held you back from deciding you know what I'm smart, I'm capable, I'm going to start a dental dental empire and run a company where other people do the hard work and help people all day and I profit off them. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, is that the capitalist poison that I have, uh, yeah, is that the mind virus that I've um, been infected with? I don't know. So, yeah, and that, there's, I'm just going to keep rambling about more like random money things. Um, even raising my own standards in life where I still live a very like humble life, but I have like higher aspirations for, I want to like, I basically, I've even considered like, what if I demolished my house where I live? Cause I love my neighborhood and my property and my neighbors. What if I like got rich enough that I could designate like 500,000 to $700,000 and demolish my home and make the house of my dreams right here, you know, which would be very interesting. But that now that's on the table. And that's not going to happen. That's a, a wild one. But I definitely, I'm definitely probably going to turn this into the house of my dreams by putting on like a $300,000 extension because my home is pretty limiting in a lot of ways because it's really old and somewhat small. And I could turn it into like a really nice house that has all the things I want, like a home gym and a big living room with a fireplace and an open kitchen, open floor plan instead of what we have now, which is like a really old home back in the day when 
kitchens were tiny and hidden in the corner, you know, and not connected to the rest of the house and a living room that can't even fit a freaking couch, stuff like that, making this house better. And so just that thought has poisoned me in a way, and I'm using the word poison loosely because this, I don't feel like it's poison, but it's, it's definitely wormed its way into my brain where it's like, oh, I, I can't be happy with the amount of money I have and make. I need to reach farther because I want something more, you know? And when I get that, I'll probably have a new thing that I want more of. It's the hedonic treadmill that I recognize at play in all humans and in my own life that I'm not happy as soon as I achieve something I want or get something I want. I now, I, you know, the, the, the goalpost has just been moved. Um, the grass is greener and whatever. I, I think I'm fairly good at combating these thoughts or at least turning them into long-term plans instead of impulsive decisions. Um, but they're thoughts and they're things and they're dynamics in my life. So I do wonder if money has poisoned me or if my perspective on money is uh, something that basically is um, resulting in a more self-centered life. Um, but I don't know. People are happy for you when they hear that we, you know, winter in Florida, they're happy. They're like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. But stuff like that, that the people around me in my life locally, um, you know, say those things and encourage me in that way. Nobody's shaming me for the life I live, but um, as it ramps up, I don't know. And then there's other things like having a lot of money is weird. I was with a friend recently who, uh, who was like asking me for money, but not, you know, and like didn't want to, but kind of was, and it was really uncomfortable. And I was with another friend recently who wasn't asking me for money, but I thought he was, and he was really just asking for my opinion on a decision he was making. And the whole time I was uncomfortable. And then I actually said to him point blank, I was like, okay, but where do I, like, how much money do you, or how much money do you want for me or something like that? Something very direct. He's one of my best friends and this is not the best friends that I normally talk about on the show in case you're thinking of Mitch or John, um, a different best friend. And, uh, and yeah. And he's like, what? I'm not asking you for money. Like he just wouldn't do that. But I just thought it was on the table because I have a lot more than the people immediately in my life that, that it becomes that and it's interesting and I lent someone money another time and they never paid me back and I'm like somewhat salty about it but I'm also like who cares like it's so much more to them than it is to me just let them off the hook and I don't have like the gumption to bring it up you know so that's a weird thing that dynamic and I've learned to like not tell people how much I make because it makes things weird but it, it puts distance between you when there's this like nebulous thing like, oh, he might actually make a lot of money. I made the mistake of one point of telling um, a relative of mine, not an immediate relative, well, I was asking for their opinion on like a business decision and, and sort of didn't have to, but it made a lot of sense to like tell them, okay, well, this is the revenue that this makes. So if I, you know, did this transaction for this, this is what it would be worth. And what I implicitly told them is like, oh, I make a lot of money. And like more money than you would think that we make, especially given how much, how we live. And that changes people's perspective because then they think if you're on a trip with them or something and it's like you offer, they might expect that you'll pay. I've been in these scenarios where people expect that you'll pick up the tab for things. And it's like, I like picking up tabs, but I like it when I do it. If you kind of like lead me to do it or just don't offer or something, it feels weird. And it's like, ah, and then you don't know that, like I lost a bunch of money this past year. So it's like, well, you don't know that. And you don't know that, that now I'm like, you know, tightened up the the purse strings. So I don't want to like cover something, but you think that I have a ton of money and like I should cover something. And those are just the weird dynamics when you make more money than the people, than your, than your friend group or peer group 
that are just weird and like you want to take a trip with them or something like recently my wife took a trip with her friend who usually who's actually very successful she was like the valedictorian at her high school went to a great school and is uh works in tech and at a really big good company and but she's switching careers or switching jobs and in between jobs and whatever so she's hooked it up in the past like she buys river like the nicest gifts and stuff like she's probably one of our more wealthy friends but now she's like kind of not and she went on a trip with my wife and my wife wanted to do something that cost more money than she was willing to pay and we kind of knew that so we just kind of came out of the gate and was just like well we're we're gonna pay for this for you so that we can do this together and i think that's a great solution but again it creates weirdness where it's like well that person's like oh i don't want you to like fork over for me but i also want to fork over for myself so it's just kind of weird i've i was in a, a situation that i another one that i really hated and i regret where somebody treated me to like a a gift like outing like a meal out kind of thing and uh, like a nice place and and i wanted to like i was at this place where there's something on the menu that i wanted to get because i'm not there often but it's really expensive so i'm not gonna buy it if i know you're picking up the tab but i am like in that same way that like with my wife covering for a friend it's like oh well i'll just cover this part of the bill and get this this big thing and this, it'll be no problem you can still cover most of the bill and it'll still be a gift to me but I'll cover this part and and I could just sense the disappointment at when I did that I like got something that was expensive the the person I was with wasn't disappointed that I got something expensive it was awkward when I was like well I'm, I'm gonna get this but I'm gonna I'm gonna pay for it you know and then like when the check came I pulled out a bill and like put it in the check and it's like here you go and I think it robbed from the gift that that person was giving me and I'm ashamed of it actually and in hindsight I learned a valuable lesson to not do that to take a gift at what it is and not wield your your finances to like still have the like well my standards are higher I have to have my thing and I know you can't pay for it so I'm gonna pay for it and that just rings of all sorts of disappointing feelings for that other person and creates an uncomfortable scenario so I, whatever I mentioned that I'm leaving out parts of that story intentionally but it's um, it was a lesson that I learned and something that I'm ashamed of when I look back. So money is a weird thing. I have lots of obviously thoughts and feelings towards it. Um, oh, the part of the story that I didn't mention at all. Wow. I guess we're going on a half hour. I growing up was so money hungry, like so hungry. I had so much ambition and so much passion. I was just kind of like now, but times 10, I had way more like ambition, I guess. I, I wanted everything and I was so into filmmaking and even earlier on like when I was younger I was really into magic and I wanted all of these things because I was watching all these videos and following all these people and I wanted these courses and these with these items and things and even before that like certain video games but um, electronics and computers I've been addicted to computers and tinkering with technologies for as long as I can remember in my entire life like even when I was like a really little kid I remember being infatuated with this stuff and never being able to have the things I wanted to have because my my family I I mean my parents like come from like smaller means I guess but also they weren't the type of parents to just like I had we had I had friends who had less wealthy parents who sprung for things for them and my parents did plenty for me and gave me plenty and provided all sorts but i had this like sense of like ah oh, like you just dropped like if i found out like you just dropped x amount on your car 
And like, I'm just asking for like, like half of that. And it would change my life. And you just dropped it on your oil change. Like I had all these weird ideas and it made me angry. And I just remember as a kid, like money was everything to me. And I did some shameful things. Like I actually like stole something from a store once and got caught with my mom. And that's a whole other thing. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I also another time found an iPod video on the school bus and just didn't tell anybody and kept it because, and I, I think like the character, well, I won't say that I was like born with superior moral, with like good moral fabric or anything. I think it's definitely something I've learned over time because now I am like, I would consider myself an incredibly honest person, especially when it comes to things like making right, owning mistakes, theft, taxes, like everything. I try to do everything to, you know, really is above board as I possibly can. But when I was younger, that ambition and that hunger would overpower those instincts and would make me do bad things. And I, yeah, I was so angry at my parents because of money. And I would like, I was a really, there was a phase where I was not a joy to raise because of this dynamic where I was so hungry and ambitious and so angry at these limitations. And it all felt like money was standing in my way. And when I could be an adult and when it wasn't standing my way, I would be unleashed and I just couldn't wait to get to adulthood. And that has always been a factor for me um, of like, and I, I still to this day, that's like really important for me to be unblocked, you know? in my ambition that like, if there's a hobby that I want to get into, I need to be able to explore it. And now I'm an adult and it's on me and I can do it myself, even though I have a wife and kids now, and now I can't, but I, you know, that, that was a growing experience I had to deal with. I remember early on in my relationship with Hannah, I just bought a $500 guitar and just told her after. And she's like, what the heck? She was really bothered. And I was like, wait a second, you, you know, this, I'm, I, this is my money. Like, blah, blah, blah. I, I had a lot to learn. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's extra context of like, I don't know. It's always been a, it's always been a thing for me, um, a hungry thing. I had friends who weren't that way. We're just like, I don't know. We don't really need much. And uh, yeah, I don't know, but whatever. Money's a weird thing. And I have a lot of weird thoughts about it. Here's one more random weird thought. When I hear somebody say like, I found, I looked up how, what's Miss Rachel's wealth. And she's like $8 million. And I'm like, I could do that. You know, <laughs> like it's just, um, perspective and of like oh like now that i have x amount your amount i can actually it's not like when you learn about the age of the earth it doesn't compute you should watch the kurtz gets out episode that just came out on like the history of the world but it does you can't compute like things like um interstellar distances your brain can't wrap your head around them you can't you can't intuit how long the earth was just a lava pit and how short humans have existed on it you just can't compute those numbers and it's similarly, um, wealth has always felt that way. And you hear people talk about, oh, they're like, they're multimillionaire. And then you learn that like a lot of people in your life are millionaires because they're retired and they saved for their life. And they have like a million to two million to three million dollars in a nest egg to retire on. And you go, oh, like that's actually an achievable amount of wealth. And so like a movie star that you realize, oh, like they actually only make like they're only like 30 million is their net worth. And that's a multiple of a retirement nest egg that I can compute easily. Um, even convert kit. Like I just read something that's like a $40 million a year business. And it seems like an otherworldly amount and an enterprise that I'll never achieve, but I can compute live wires revenue as a multiple of that or a divot or whatever enough to think that like I can 
I can mentally draw a dot from this amount to that amount. And that's like, I guess an empowering thing, or just like I said, I'm here to tell you weird thoughts. And while we're going way over time, another weird thought that I've had is like people like DHH being at RailsConf thinking like, what's that like now to be at a RailsConf? And like, obviously like Taylor is somewhat wealthy and we're, we interact with him and see him at conferences and it's not a big deal. It doesn't feel like, like he's a completely different person, but DHH is a whole other level. The dude drives like race cars and lives in freaking Malibu in this incredible house and is a, you know, co-founder of this big business or co-owner. Um, so he's like a whole new level of wealth. And Jason Freed is same thing. What's it like for him to be at a RailsConf and to just be hanging out with people and talking about tech? Is that weird? I don't know. It seems like it might be. It seems like it might be weird. How does that impact the dynamic in the Rails community when the person at the head of it is extremely wealthy? Um, as opposed to like our group, which is less wealthy and maybe even like another group like Elixir, which I'm just imagining is even less wealthy where it's, I don't know. Wealth is an interesting thing. Money is an interesting thing. I have obviously a million and one thoughts about it. I wonder if I have a mind virus, but I also have chosen this path and I'm happy I did. Um, so yeah, there you go. See you.